Hi, welcome. This is Dr. John Martini. This is one of the most amazing and inspiring shows that you can listen into. If you want to be on the edge of your seats, if you want to open up your heart, if you want to expand your mind, and you want to meet incredible people, stay tuned because you're just about to experience a transformative radio show that will change your life. And you're listening to the Dr. Pat Show that's coming up right next. Welcome to the Dr. Pat Show. Talk radio to thrive by. Powerful, inspiring, and coming to you live, bringing you stories of people like you and me, busting through and living life full out. Get ready to dare to wonder what your life would be like if you knew you could not fail. Hey, everybody. I want to introduce you to somebody that is talking my language. Uh, And what do I mean by that? Well, first of all, doing some research, that is important. But when you think about what Kara Huginson has done, and when you think about how the backbone of what we're about to talk about is so much different, so very different in contrast. But as a small business owner myself, I got to tell you, I'm feeling it. I'm feeling the Kara message. Hey, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Oh, thanks for having me, Dr. Pat. I'm excited to be here. Yeah. And I just did my New York Kara. It could be Kara Kara. I'm not sure which one you go by, but please forgive me if I've blown that. (laughs) You have not. You are spot on. Um, Look, let's talk optimism and let's come right out of the gate and talk optimism. First of all, give everybody the backdrop about the survey, you know, because most people think, well, what kind of survey is it? Tell me about the survey and what you're, you're most passionate about when you decided to take this out and do it. Absolutely. Well, First of all, just a quick uh, background. This is a survey that Principal has sponsored for many years. And historically, we did it on an annual basis. As the world just turned upside down last year from the pandemic, we really got to thinking that, you know what, annual is not enough. The sentiment at the core of this survey, we are taking the temperature of businesses in the United States, businesses that have between two and 10,000 employees. They can be in all different industries. And we're really trying to understand how are they viewing the economy? How are they viewing the position of their business? And then we'll weave in you know, certain timely topics and gather more insight and perspective on that. So we did this survey three times last year. And then what we'll talk about this morning is the first of many waves that we'll do this year. And as you alluded to, we are so excited to be able to share that optimism among small and medium-sized business is the strongest it's been since August of 2019. So that's even prior to the pandemic. We have 57% of small to medium-sized businesses that are feeling positive about the 12-month economic outlook. And that includes a shorter time frame to recovery from the pandemic, as well as feeling comfortable with their cash flow position. So all great news that we can share. 
You know, and I think this is part of it. I want to talk about your website for a minute or direct people to it because I, I don't want to wait till the end of the interview. And here's why. Um, I've already spent time there and I spent time myself not only looking at how to navigate. And we'll talk about that. But I have spent time now looking at the information that's provided on the 2021 federal relief. And already I'm talking to my accountant and I'm saying, I don't get it. You know, he, right here, it talks about new guidelines for economic injury disaster loan for us. So please, let's get some forgiveness going on. So you are providing an enormous resource. But when we talk about optimism, it is, let me just, let me just give you my perspective. It is the juice that epic motivation comes from. And I want to ask you about this. When we think about optimism, and what you learned from the study. What's your takeaway? What's your like, oh, man, I'm Kara, and I got to tell you, I didn't know dot, dot, dot. Oh, great question, Dr. Pat. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, you know, the thing that I would, that most immediately comes to mind is that we've all lived through over the last 15 months a set of circumstances that I'm guessing none of us ever anticipated that we would live through. Maybe if we had a grandparent that lived through the Spanish flu, maybe, but I would argue probably not even then. So there's something to be said about having lived through that and lived through that together and to find the right resources that helped us navigate through that period of time. And one of the things that I view to be a benefit as we have now the the perspective of a little bit of a rear view mirror look is yeah. just the conversation around mental health <laughs> and the fact that there is a stronger recognition now amongst employers and it feels like a stronger willingness amongst employees and coworkers to have conversation that Mental health is is not something to be shied away from. It's no. just as important as physical health and that the workplace is an appropriate and valuable place to go get tools and resources to support your mental health. You know, this survey showed us that 74% of businesses agree that mental health and well-being resources are important. Important. 71% of businesses believe it's the right thing to do to offer those tools and resources. And over 65% of businesses say that offering those mental health and well being tools and resources helped attract and retain employees. So it just makes good business sense. And that's something that I, when I got these results, I really was glad to see. It may seem counter to the optimism message we were just talking about, but to me, that in and of itself breeds optimism because people are going to have access to things that they need to be them, their best selves. Yeah. I was really struck by many, many things. And thank you for the infographic uh, that you all put together to summarize um, the outcomes. Because what I loved about this is, you know, really looking at the optimism number, but how you tie it in to many things. So let me ask you this question. Optimism 
is is such an interesting energy. And I, I, I look at everything as energy. Uh, that's just me, my paradigm. And so when I think about it, optimism, and I put myself in your space, even though you didn't survey me, I said yes. That yes to the cash flow thing, yes to optimistic, yes to the recovery time, yes, but I didn't know about the PPP, but now I'm smarter. And I went down the list and I went through everything you had and I said, we're hiring three additional people. We're doubling our space. So not only are you on to something, but I wonder how many other people are like me that are going and doing this yet at the same time. I'm working with clients that are shifting their bill, their entire business. They are well-being and wellness experts. And I want to talk to you about that because it was striking to find in your survey that well-being offerings and business leaders say that are most useful are things that are listed here that back in the day, okay, I'm going to, back in the day, used to be considered soft skills. Mm -hmm. Is this the resurrection of soft skills? I never really thought of it that way, (laughs) but I think, yes, let's go with it. Let's go with it. You know, I think, well, I think if you just think about leadership and and the continued conversation around the value of, um, or the importance of emotional intelligence and, you know, as part of the most successful leaders and the like that, you know, it's facts and figures and, and the data critically important, not diminishing that. But at the end of the day, employees are a company's, a business's most valuable asset. And, you're not going to create or an environment that allows people to do their best work by only focusing on the hard things like the the data, the soft skills matter, the culture matters. You know, I want to talk with you for a minute, if you could. And before we hop off, uh, please get, get people over to the survey that I'm looking at and that I've read. What is the best way for them to do that? Sure. We have, uh, Lots of great information, which you have have mentioned at principal.com. So if you just go to our website, it's P-R-I-N-C-I-P-A-L.com. And then in the search bar, if you type navigating business now, you can get access to the infographic you mentioned, as well as any past Mm -hmm. waves of this survey. There's information about uh, various uh, loan programs available to small businesses. We've got information about the role that benefits play um, to helping businesses attract and retain talent, and even a tool that businesses can use to compare uh, the benefits offering that they have today with maybe what similar companies in their geography are um, offering to understand if their program really is best positioned to attract and retain the talent that they need for success. Um. I know we've got a few minutes left, and I want to get to what I think is one of the greatest concerns as I sit back and I look at what is literally happening to people. I coach women um, across the globe pretty much, and I will tell you the thing that comes up is the highlight in one of the highlights you put in here. And let's talk about mental health, and let's talk for a minute about why it is important for whatever small business, whatever company is looking at to really stop and say, I'm in uncharted territory 
and I've got to put some money here and I may not know exactly what I'm doing. And that has to do with how do you return people to a time and a place where they have just been struggling mentally, emotionally, physically. You know, I won't even get into the rise in alcoholism, but how important and how committed do you think organizations might be on up in the game? I absolutely think that they are committed. And I can say that with confidence. When we look at the information we gathered in March of this year, there were t- we highlight three of the benefits businesses plan to increase in the next 12 months and a third of employers roughly are going to increase their mental health and well-being services you know it's it's something i don't think that they can avoid mm-hmm. when you when they see that nearly half of businesses have seen an increase in the questions about mental health and well-being resources. Employees are asking for it. And 45% of employers are seeing an increase in the use of those resources when they are available. So it, it not only is, um, you know, the, the soft skill and it might just feel like the right thing to do, but it also makes business sense. It's a good business decision. You know, I want to thank you all for what you're doing. I want to thank you for getting out in the forefront and talking about this Um, and to talk about, you know, not just about some of the things we chatted about today, but also the financial aspect of this. I want to ask you this. What do you think the greatest challenge is? And this is my last question because I know you got to run. What is the greatest challenge that you see organizations facing based on the survey? Based on the survey, you know, we, and this is going to kind of take the survey in, in aggregate, it's, uh-huh. it's the compilation of, of all the data. Businesses were, were successful in quickly moving to a remote work environment yeah. and figuring out how to adapt. It's not easy. I think there was probably a prevailing thought that it would be easy to go back to the workplace um, once it was safe to do so. I think what we're all learning and maybe arguably we're learning it the hard way um, is that that's not easy and it's gonna be a long journey. I think the key to that is listening to employees, understanding what their challenges are, their stressors, figuring out, you know, to what extent it makes sense for the business to help provide support or resources in addressing those challenge. And then um, doing that in order to allow the employees the, dis- the freedom to make the decision that's right for them, because it's only through that that they'll be able yeah. to do- deliver their best work for the business. Yeah, I couldn't agree with you more. And I want to say this. Thank you for all that you all are doing. Thank you for a lifetime, a career lifetime of your, uh, let me just call it, Beyond optimism, your action and making sure that we have information to to really get great decisions. You know, it's fascinating what you showed in the survey. I was just asked by an organization. They wanted to hire me as a consultant to come back and not do exit interviews, but do reentry interviews because compassion and understanding and communication they feel is so important. And I was shocked by it a little bit until I read your survey. Then when I read your survey, I thought, I think I'm going to do that. 
So thank I you. Think that, yes, I think that's wonderful. I love that concept, <laughs> Dr. Pat. And yep. I wish you all the best as you embark on that work. Well, and again, thank you for getting the word out. Please, I know we didn't talk about everything, but keep doing what you're doing because we must, we must create an energy of optimism for all people. Thank you. And uh, thank you so much for all you do. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. You've been listening. But are you watching? Tune in to your favorite shows on the Transformation Talk Radio Facebook page. We stream live video podcasts every day. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our fabulous news segment. What happens when you turn around one day and you think about something that has changed? Do we have something that is just gnawing at us on the inside? Could it be as a collective, we are ailing? Well, I will tell you, that is the name of the book and the message and the action from my very special guest today, Dr. Nate Link, The Ailing Nation, Lessons from Bedsides from American Leaders. Uh, Dr. Nate, thank you for joining me here today. I got to ask you this question. Uh, the timeliness of your book couldn't have been better. Uh, Chief Medical Officer, Bellevue Hospital, New York. But what was it that touched your heart where you said, wait a minute, there are some things going on that the world needs to know about? Well, uh, thank you, Pat. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Um, I have to say, you know, I've, I've been uh, at Bellevue Hospital uh, for almost four decades. I feel almost as old as this very old hospital. <laughs> um, and along the way, I, I have appreciated a tremendous evolution in healthcare, uh, the approach to healthcare mm. and the management of hospitals, um, the, w- the way we use evidence to make decisions, the way we handle mistakes, the way we treat our staff and our patients, and the way we align in our mission is remarkable in uh, the level of performance that hospitals have achieved recently. Uh, when, I, when I look across the divide at our political world, I've been struck by the big gap there. Yeah. Uh, it's almost in the dark ages when it comes to these, these principles. And uh, after the election of 2016, I begin to feel really uh, concerned for mm-hmm. the state of our nation. Mm-hmm. And I just felt like there was some some really good principles to share, uh, some advice to give, as you might say. And in, in truth, the healthcare industry has learned from other industries. You know, we've learned safety from the aviation industry. We've learned uh, efficiency from the automobile industry and so on. And, I, you know, I'm just trying to pay it forward here. And you know what? So many of us have had, let's just call it an awakening, if you don't mind. Um, and you sure. have had many awakenings. I'm very familiar with Bellevue, my mom, of course. Uh, spent some time at Bellevue uh, with mental illness. Uh, and mm, so yeah. I'm very familiar with it and what you, you see as you go on. But I want to ask you, especially about, you know, your aha moments. I think we have aha moments as we write this book. I would love to know, as you were writing this book, what were your top three aha moments? What okay. really had um, you looked at? Yeah, well, let me start with one aha moment came in our COVID, the avalanche of COVID that New York was buried under about a year ago, you know, in the spring, as everybody knows, was um, a cathartic event for us. Um, 
Yeah, of course, uh, we, knew COVID, we knew COVID was coming. We didn't really have tests available at that time, but we felt it around us. And, and then in the end, it was a tidal wave. Uh, mm-hmm. But we had to transform our hospital in just a few weeks. So this uh, most remarkable transformation happened from our facility staff, you know, carpenters and electricians and plumbers who opened up new units for us and transformed units into negative pressure areas with airflow. And then all of our staff had to redeploy. So our surgeons gave up surgery and became medical doctors. Our medical doctors became intensive care doctors. The eye doctor joined the ICU team and the anesthesiologists who are no longer doing surgery started doing procedures for everyone else. And even the orthopedic surgeons became the proning team. That, that's the group that turns uh, patients uh, face down and face up on a schedule to improve their respiratory status. It, it, our nurses, our housekeepers, everybody, their, their job changed. What was remarkable is how quickly that happened and how well it worked and how everybody bought into the mission. And there was a beautiful alignment that uh, amazes me to think about to this day. And then after a few weeks, we absorbed that, that huge mass of patients. And by Easter Sunday, we had 400 COVID patients in our hospital. Wow. But when we looked around us, we saw in the outer boroughs, it was even worse. Out in Brooklyn and Queens, they were still backed up in the emergency departments and back into the parking lots even. So then we did something that amazed me even more is we started taking in transfers. We brought in more COVID patients. We brought in 600 more patients over several weeks to help out. And I was just struck by the the alignment, you know, the mission-driven coalescence of it all, how everybody just lifted together. And then... That was an aha moment for me to see how much can be achieved when you have that alignment and how difficult it was for us as a nation because we didn't have that alignment. At the national level, it went very differently. Yeah. I'm so glad you brought this up. And I have to tell you accolades for you and the book. Uh, And, of course, you know, you keep keep, when the book keeps winning awards for very good reason. Are you still there, Nate? Yes, I am. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, You know, the thing that I am really excited about is everything you've done. You know, the awards you've done, you know, you received for the book. But boy, I have to tell you the most impressive part for me is what you decided to take on. And I don't care how many decades you've spent at Bellevue. You know, your approach to this is fresh, new and direct. Of course, both of us from New York, right? Um, Yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, here's the deal. Here's what I wish more people were talking about. We're even seeing it today with the attacks on Dr. Fauci, regardless of what you believe or how you believe it. There's just this divide. Um, And I know what the divide is. I've come across the continental divide a lot of times. And the divide I think you're talking about in the book, the continental divide pales this. And let's talk about why this was such an important aspect of your conversation, was it because what you were experiencing was in direct contrast to what you were seeing on the outside? T- tell me about the significance for you of, of wanting to say, look, we're going in an alignment direction, but boy, I'll tell you, there's something opposite going on outside there. Yeah, well, that's exactly right. And if I could take a moment, yeah. and if you don't mind, to discuss wish... the just culture, yeah, which is infuses by world, the just culture, we call it. And, and I, I can tell it best with a story. Mm-hmm. Um, 
there was a time a few years ago where we had a patient in the ICU who was on a ventilator and his ventilator malfunctioned and an alarm went off at the nursing station. Uh, his nurse, who we'll call Natalie, did not respond to the alarm. Uh, she just went about her work. And then a few minutes later, it went off again and it was too late and the patient died. Mm -hmm. well, well, this was a huge thing for us as a hospital. Uh, and we realized the nurse didn't do her duty uh, for some reason and she's going to need to be punished. Uh, uh, and, uh, you know, maybe she was a bad apple, what have you. Um, we, we went and talked to all the nurses on the unit, and interestingly, they all wanted to talk about the alarms. Um, basically, they said these alarms go off all day long mm. for no reason. And we, none, when none of us respond to them anymore, we have alarm fatigue. Yeah. Uh, we have to get our work done. And then we realized, you know, Natalie wasn't a bad apple after all. This was a system problem. This, this was a system. The alarms didn't work right. And that who's responsible for that is us, the yeah. leaders. So we had to fix that, right? We had to fix the alarms, retrain the nurses, and monitor everything to make it right. And we did. But if we had just gone after that one nurse with a blame and shame approach, we would never have solved the problem. And this is what I've seen over and over again in my world of medicine. Is, is the staff are usually trying to do the right thing. And when things go wrong, we have to think about the ways the system let them down. And this approach to leadership is called the just culture. It's a supportive approach. We work with our staff. And they begin to raise their hands when they see problems without feeling they're going to get retribution, which is one of the best things about the just culture. It inspires trust. So we have a much better relationship with our, with our staff and our patients benefit from the improved safety. Now, if you look at the political world, it's like the opposite, right? Everybody's in a faction. Every time something goes wrong, it's about scoring points. It's about blaming and shaming. It's about gaining an edge on the opponent. It's the opposite of the just culture. And I can't think of any worse way to move a country forward. This so well, so well said and so critical to how you are looking at, you know, the system. And systemic approaches to things. Because, you know, look, one of my favorite quotes, which it's taking me a lifetime to understand, was Einstein's. You know, his uh -huh. conversation about, you know, not solving the problem at the level it was created. And when you think about that more deeply and you see the context he's talking about, you know, you find that that problem could have been solved by what? Maybe firing that person? But it wouldn't have solved the problem. Um, I want to talk with you. I know we've got very short time left. Um, mm -hmm. I want to talk about mastering the art. And what I mean by that, you reference it in, in the book. Uh, it's, it's a small part in the book, but I found that it was important be because mastery is so important. And here's my question. If we master the art, will we be able to close the exposed gap? Well, I think it's, it's necessary but not sufficient. And I like to say that medicine is an art and a science. Yeah. And, and the science of it is, you know, evidence and truth and decision-making. And the art of it is about relationships. Yes. Uh, the, the, our leaders of our nation relate to people, relate to each other. And that art, as you are pointing out correctly, is, uh, is, in, is in bad shape. Uh, we don't know how to get along. Uh, we don't know. We don't even have integrity in leadership, um, um, to, to, to be honest, which is kind of the first step of inspiring trust. Uh, trust is the art of medicine. 
you know, patients have to depend on their physicians, and we have to trust what our patients tell us, and it's the essence, the essence of any relationship. But we do not have that going on in government, and I think it's one of our biggest gaps. Yes. Thank you for today. I know you've got to run. Um, congratulations on the book. I hope you keep speaking out. This is a very short interview. I could have spent an hour talking about so many of the things that we didn't. But I want to ask you this question as we close. How do we find uh, a copy of the book? How do we find out about you? And then I would love to know your vision for the future. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, the first part the first part's easier. So <laughs> the, the book is available online, uh, Amazon and Barnes and Noble. I have a, a YouTube channel, Nate Leak MD, where I do uh, video essays on evidence-based politics, I call it. I take national yep. issues and bring evidence to bear. My vision for the future is what I really hope is the American voters, the electorate, realizes they're the true leaders of this country. I'm really trying to wake them up. And I say, if you're unhappy with the way your leaders behave, you're the one who puts them in office. You're the board of directors. Take your job seriously. Look for people with integrity, uh, 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 people who are honest and, um, and, and collaborative. If you don't, pick people who are like that, we will not have a government that has integrity or honesty or collaboration, and we'll just get nowhere. So my main message to end with is that we're all responsible for this country of ours. We are the true leaders. Yes. Thank you so much for everything and much success for you. And please don't give up. Don't give up the fight. Thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate (laughs) so much you having me on your show. Yeah, you bet. Let's take a short break, everybody. We'll be right back. Have you ever felt like if you just had the right tools and resources, you'd be able to carve a path toward the life your heart is aching for? Guess what? You have everything you need inside you. I'm Natasha Ornedo, and I'm here to show you that your healing is in your hands. Tune into my show, Unlock the Healing Path, every second and fourth Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com. To learn more about me and my work, visit NatashaOrnedo.com. Get empowered. Transformation Talk Radio. Hey, everybody. Welcome. Welcome to our good news segment. You know, all of us are thinking about how am I going to do it? The question is, what is it you're going to do? And then how might you do it? Joining me here today for ideas with actionable wisdom. Bob Boylan is joining me here today to talk about what those ideas are, but more importantly, to talk about why, if there was ever a time that we needed simple solutions to improve our lives, our career, and our focus, man, it is now. Bob, great to have you here. Welcome. Thank you very much, Pat. I want to ask you, look, your experience presenting skills trainer, you know, photographer, Self-employed since a very young age, um, founded many successful present, you know, presentations, travel across the country, and here you go and here you are. I want to know, what was it that you saw? What was it that you felt? What was it that happened inside of you where you said, wait a minute, there are things that I need to share with people so we can close some kind of gap here. What was it that happened for you? Pat, I've been a presentation trainer of uh, middle to senior management for a long time. And basically, I would be introduced by my client as, here's Bob, the paradigm changer. 
and a paradigm is your perception of reality. So what I have a, a skill in doing is helping people see things differently so they do things differently. And in this particular case, I've helped them be a better presenter. Well, I took that skill and applied it to the book you're talking about, Four Ideas, to help people see, as you mentioned, we're in a rather unique time in our history. Things have been turned upside down. Help you see your life differently so you can do something differently. In fact, make it better by quite a bit. And, and, you know, you talk about that in the book as well. Um, One of the things that I love about this is that I get to see how totally relevant these ideas and an accumulation of lifelong experience, you know, what you bring forward and what this is. And let's talk about for let's talk about for a second your experience with calm water thinking. I love this idea of calm water thinking thinking because I know what it's like to be in white water. I know what it's like to be flipped over in a kayak. And I'll tell you, that doesn't feel very good, Bob. Uh, but I will tell you one thing. If you pan, if you flip over in a kayak in the Pacific Northwest, riding down white water, I will tell you, that will be the end of the game. Uh, and that's why I was so drawn to this. This is such a game changer. Tell me how this came to you, how this fresh idea, and boy, I got to tell you, it's probably easier to talk about than do. What What do you think? Well, to agree, it is easier to talk about than do. The whole idea of this book is there are four ideas, which you will understand, and quite frankly, agree with the first two easily, but most people don't do them. So when I would ask people, of course, my clients for many years, how are you doing? And they have a one-word a sentence, busy. And if they talk a little while longer, as you said, they say, I feel like I'm in constant whitewater. And they don't really know it. So I'm trying to bring to your mind that the one idea that we become what we think about. And so I'm suggesting that you spend first thing in the morning. That means you're probably getting up 15 minutes early. So that you are in a place, whether it's Starbucks or 545 that I go to and find my chair or a place in your home or your patio. And think about your whole life, not just your professional life, which we tend to do. And when we start thinking about our whole life, we start thinking about things that balance us out, not just our professional life. And once we do we start becoming what we're thinking about. And actually, we become more productive in our professional life so we're not so zeroed in on it only, but our whole lives. Yeah. And I, yeah. I have a story that might be relevant. Yeah, please. Okay, in 2007, I took a three-month sabbatical. I've never not worked for three months since I was 18. Yeah. So it took a lot of planning and organizing to, to my wife and I went to Europe for three months. So I came back and I had training scheduled right away. And one was with a client, 28,000 person international construction company headquartered in Boise. So I'm there and I, HR guys hired me a long time. He said, welcome back. I understand you've been away for three months. Yes. I want you to come up to my office when you're done training. Okay. So I go up. How was the trip? And I said, unbelievably energizing. Unbelievable. 
He said, do you know why we hire you? I said, sure, to help people become better presenters. You do that, Bob, but that's not why we hire you. Then clue me in, will you? <laughs> you that's a pretty amazing to your point. Bob, you lead a very balanced life. You just yeah. off a three-month adventure, and when you tell stories to try to make a point about something people should do better in presenting, you light them up with the balance of your life, and they think, maybe I could do that. So you share that energy, and they become much more productive professionals, but you demonstrate a balanced life. And... I think that some people don't. Yeah. I mean, they're a zero in their business, and man, all they can talk about is being an engineer. Or, yeah. Yeah. Know, they're not exactly energizing to talk to. Uh, <laughs> I totally get it. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing my show for 17, 18 years. I started the network, Transformation Network. We're going to expand from one channel to 10 in about 18 months, we built technology that I, wow. I just found out the other day by the Amazon experts that we have technology nobody has, but that's not why we did it, Bob. And this is what I want to ask okay. you about. There are things that we're called to do and things we're called to demonstrate. And you know that old expression, walking the talk? Uh, and and I, I used to hate it in my corporate career because I was the corporate HR person that would hire you. That was me. And, and what I love about your book is beyond that, you tap in to some of the most incredible interchanging aspects. And let me get right to the chase on this because I know we've got short time. The idea of including gratitude and creativity as the as two pivotal points it's brilliant because when i looked at the four ideas i says oh my gosh he's created a balanced approach an integrated balanced harmonious approach because you're both giving us the outer and then you got to go to the inner and i'm telling you this idea be more grateful uh, and, you know, what I learned about that, that is a game changer that is so difficult to describe, and you did a great job. There is no one that you talk to about the idea of gratitude that doesn't agree that it's a powerful thing. Very few people have established a habit of generating a daily gratitude journal so that they can actually discover more things showing up in their life to be grateful for, which you will if you establish the habit of a daily gratitude journal. And if you were to ask me what people said to me, Bob, explain why you're, what's your training business, Bob. I'd say I deliver training that takes. Yeah. That's it. That's the other. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm really committed in this book to show people how to create a daily gratitude journal so they therefore can get the benefits of gratitude without it. My one liner is see your life through the lens of gratitude. Yep. Of course that takes up my professional landscape photography metaphor. Yeah. But if you start doing that, just like you said in your voicemail, you left me have yourself an epic day. <laughs> ah. 
I love it. I love it. <laughs> and that is really, you know, it's fascinating. If we had more time, we would go very, very deeply into some of these. And I hope that somehow we can get you back because we're just scratching the surface, as my mama used to say. She says, you know, yeah. you're at the tip of the iceberg, but that is not what brought the Titanic down. And boy, it took me a lot of years to figure that out. Bob, <laughs> I, you know, so look, I, I hope you'll come back. I will make sure we talk to your folks because there's much more to talk about. But the message that you're bringing forward, this four ideas with actionable wisdom, this is a book for our time. And I love that we're talking about this. I also love the fact that you can be grateful even in the face of chaos, even in the face of harm. You can still be grateful. You can do it in so many ways. Um, Bob, what's your personal message? What do you want to leave us with? And by the way, how do we get a copy of the book? Well, the easiest way for them to find uh, your listeners to find out about my books, is two of them actually, is to go on my website, which is Bob Boylan, B-O-Y-L-A-N, BobBoylan.com. And when you get in there, you can see the books and you see a lot of professional reviewers say some nice things. You can also take a look at my landscape photography. So that's the best way to find out about it. And you might personally get a kick out of it. On the website <laughs> are two videos. <laughs> One is called, What Size Is Your Frying Pan? Watch <laughs> that. You'll laugh. You'll I laugh. will. I'm all over it, Bob. Okay. Thank you so much for today. Uh, what do you want to leave us with today? What 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 is going to be my Bob memory for today, Bob Boylan? What is going to be my Boylan memory for today? Say out loud to yourself, like I do to myself every day, twice a day. Go forward, Bob, because even God can't steer a parked car. Yeah, As we go forward. Yeah, and you know what? There's no you commercial. Have some ideas. <laughs> okay, go forward. And you'll usually go forward with some things you've never done, and that makes things really exciting. I love it. Bob Boylan, everybody, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Welcome to Shades of Spirits Guided Monthly Meditation. Today we're going to be connecting you with your past animals. We have a sacred connection to our pets in life. And we continue that sacred connection in spirit. I'd like you to find a safe space to just sit for a few minutes comfortably and be able to just relax and be open to receiving the message your pet has for you today. Make sure that you don't operate any machinery or drive any machinery while listening to this meditation. 
Good. I want you to start out taking some slow and steady deep breaths in through your nose. And releasing that breath out through your mouth. Allowing yourself to sink deeper and deeper into your space. Another deep breath in through your nose, bringing your shoulders up to your ears, feeling that connection, that engagement. And now relax and release those shoulders and that breath deeper into your space. Your legs are getting heavier, your arms are getting heavier in your lap. Your shoulders are getting heavier, relaxing deeper and deeper into your space. Take one more nice deep breath in, picturing the color green surrounding you and moving through you. And on the exhale, release that energy and melt deeper into your space. Now with this meditation, I want you to be open to receiving that love and light from that pet on the other side. I want you to picture yourself standing on a cloud. And before you is the rainbow bridge. Oh, those beautiful colors in that rainbow. The air is fresh and crisp. And the rainbow bridge seems to go along forever. I want you to start walking. Walking on this rainbow bridge. If you have a fear of heights, you know the ground is right beneath you. And allow yourself to continue to ascend getting lighter and brighter you almost feel as if you're floating across this bridge good now be aware be aware of your surroundings can you hear anything see anything up on the top of that platform where that rainbow bridge lets out can you smell anything And as you approach the top, I want you to be ready to receiving this special message from your pet today. I want you to go to the platform and look out over this beautiful, vast field. And this field may have a special dog park that the two of you connected at. Maybe it's the backyard of your home when you'd throw the ball or your kids would run around and play with them. Allow that field to take form of how it connects with you and your animal or animals. Maybe it's a childhood home, that special pet that you grew up with. You are safe. You are secure. It's okay. And when you're ready, open up that small gate that stands before you on the platform. 
and head out into that space, ready to receive the unconditional love from that pet. Beautiful. It's okay to feel emotions. Let the tears fall if they may. And that beautiful embrace with that animal on the other side. Maybe you start laughing of all the quirky things that they did. But allow yourself to feel, feel that love, feel that energy. Beautiful, beautiful. Now I want you to take those pets and head over to the bench in the middle of that field in that space and sit with them. They're no longer in pain. All of their physical ailments have left it as soon as they crossed over. They ran up that rainbow bridge. Let them tell you that story. Take a deep breath in. Allow that emotion to fill you. Positive, loving emotion. And exhale. Now I'm going to read a channeled message from Spirit Walker Nicole to you from your pet. Take in these words, honor these words, and share this moment with them. I'm up here in the sunshine. It's warm. I'm wild and free. I can hear you say my name and see your endless tears. Please understand, I am okay and just waiting up here for you. Time is different here. Years pass like seconds. You took such good care of me as we spent time side by side. You made my heart sore just by coming home or telling me you loved me. Sometimes I settle in here in the grass and under my tree. There are others that do the same. We look towards our sky and we can see you. We can check on you and even come to visit if we want. Sometimes you can feel us near. You may see a shadow out of the corner of your eye or feel us laying next to you. We are never far away. Our love is a gift. And although we don't get to enjoy the luxury of many years, we do learn the value of unconditional love and what a gift that is. It was an honor to share a part of your life. The angels take such good care of us. We each have a personal angel 
that steps in to take care of us. We have everything we need here. We have unlimited treats, toys, and playmates. We will be together again someday. Until then, live a beautiful life. Thank you for the beautiful life you gave me. Absorb that message. Thank them for that message. You may even start to see or have already felt their angel presence around you. As each one of our pets has a special angel just dedicated to them. Take a few more minutes on this bench. Absorb that healing energy, that loving energy. Feel the light within them, that spark. Take that energy with you. It's their gift to you. Take a deep breath in through your nose. And exhale that love. You will see your animals again one day. For them, it will be the blink of an eye. Remember that. Now head back to that beautiful platform with that gates. Turn to your pets with one last hug, one last smile, one last ball throw. Invite them to come down anytime they wish. All you have to do is ask and they'll be there for you. Now open that gate and step through onto the platform, shutting that gate, knowing that they are safe, they're secure, they're loved and well taken care of. This is not goodbye. This is I'll see you in a minute. Now I want you to do something different to come down this rainbow. You're filled with such beautiful energy. I want you to sit at the edge of the rainbow on the platform and I want you to allow yourself to slide down that beautiful rainbow. Right back onto that cloud, you are safe. Feel the wind as you're coming down. Allow it to fill you with life. You're starting to feel more energized, more alive, more at peace. Great. You're almost there, back to that cloud. Enjoy this ride. Now you've ended up back on your cloud, knowing that you can come back here any time you wish. And allow that cloud to float you back down now into the physical body that you reside in, into that space that you are in at the moment. Good. And I want you to start deep breathing Breathing in that love, starting to wiggle your fingers and toes, becoming more awake, more alive, more vibrant, feeling as if a piece of your heart was just put back in. Acknowledge that. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. 
thank you for joining us on this journey. And remember, you can come back here anytime. <laughs>